So I've just watched your wife very mm. submissively, if I may say so, bringing you, <laughs> bringing you a cocktail. Mm, yeah. Shocking. Because we had a bit of a tricky journey home and she felt I needed something. Anyway, what are you... You're, are you not imbibing? Well, I may be, but it is Burns Night. And, you know, I want ah. to honour the great bard in that way. That famous uh, <laughs> Jewish Scotsman, Rabbi Burns. Yes, exactly. Rabbi Burns. <laughs> <laughs> have you consumed your haggis? I, I have had haggis. Yeah, we had haggis at the weekend. We celebrated Burns Night on Saturday with some friends. Rachel does this amazing thing with neeps and tatties. It's like sort of partially mashed and reheated. And then she does this incredible whiskey cream sauce that goes with the haggis. Oh, delicious. So we ought to say, for those who don't know, haggis is uh, one of the delicacies of these these aisles. Um, it is. It is uh, a sort of mixture of... I don't know what's... I don't want to know. I know don't... it's cooked in a sheep's stomach. Well, uh, traditionally, ours came in a plastic wrapper, uh, frankly. Um, so, yeah, that's how that worked. It's sort of oatmeal and... Um chopped up bits of other bits of the sheep um, <laughs> i think it's the bits they don't quite know what to do with that goes in the haggis i think but yeah and you have it with uh, uh potatoes and neeps yeah well t- turnips well, traditionally neeps, well, it's, yeah but it's swede isn't it Ah, swede yeah i mean we have yeah, swede yeah, yeah. yeah delicious so, i mean well, all it is really is it's uh it's a master class in making horrible bits of food taste wonderful and if all that fails, you just drink whiskey. Exactly. I mean, what could go wrong? Welcome, everybody, to episode uh, 228. I had to look that one up because I didn't know. Literally just had to read the top of the running order. That was it. That was all. Yeah, but I've been thinking about this, and I think perfection is boring. <laughs> There's only one way to be perfect, isn't there, when you think about it? Yeah. You do it the right way, whereas there are many interesting ways to do it wrong. Yes, so that's, that's true. No, good that's point. That's how I'm viewing these introductions. <laughs> well, you're certainly doing that well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, so welcome to episode 228 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page, and there is Joe Davis. Hello. It's great to be here. It's great to see you. Oh. So I had a bit of a pig of a journey back. Did they you? put a traffic light. For, for, nobody knows why. Just one? Yeah, well, no, they, literally, they've closed off one lane of the M4, of the A40 just uh, north of my village and oh. uh, and put a traffic light on it, which is just causing chaos. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and in fact, it, that may be their aim. Yeah. To just cause chaos, because there doesn't seem to be any other work going on. Listen, we are talking temporary traffic like city here, so you get no sympathy off me. Plus, they closed the A27 for most of last week, so it's been very amusing down here. <laughs> so anyway, what that meant was we came the sort of more rural way back from work. But of course, it's foggy tonight here. So... No, it isn't. Slightly... It's as clear as day out there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I feel slightly stressed out driving down small, um, you know, English country roads in the dark and the fog. Mm. Uh, so hence my wife's delivery of uh, 
truly medicinal cocktail. Well, how wonderful. And what a way to celebrate Burns Night. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, happy Burns Night to all our, our Scottish uh, listeners. Yeah. And frankly, to anyone else. To yes, indeed. If you, if, you, if you like Robbie Burns, which is a acquired taste. <laughs> anyway, other than that, how are you, dear boy? Yes, I'm all right. Yes, um, I did a nice weekend. Hey, uh, we, I had time in the pub with a man who is sort of responsible for us meeting. Yes, a very lovely man indeed, because he sent me the picture. Yeah, so our old um, boss, Graham, who uh, interviewed me for my job at Oasis... And he still gave it to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think he had any choice because I think Steve had technically offered it to me. With... Anyway. That's tended to be how it worked. <laughs> yeah. So it was more sort of fate accompli. Um Yeah. So we, we reminisced about that. And he, yeah. And to, uh, two podcast listeners in uh, Pete and, and Carrie who. Oh, great. Hello to them. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So that was nice. Um Oh, and they were in church, and uh, we sang, I think, one of the most depressing worship songs I've ever sung in my entire life. <laughs> oh, good. How does that one go? It's called Who Am I? And it starts off, Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Yeah. So, you know, it's a nice statement of complete worthlessness to start with, which I think is always good. Yes, it's good to remember what a tiny, shriveling worm you are. That's good. Yeah. Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart? So, yeah. you know, again, I'm rubbish. Uh, I'm not worthy of attention. And then there's a little bit of a middle eight, which I don't need to worry about. But then we go to the chorus, which is this. Um, I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, a vapour in the wind. Yeah, you are. So, so you know... That... And your point, I quite like that song. <laughs> well, well, it's sort of true. And, I can see, I see and it has a sort of Ecclesiastes vibe to it, but I didn't feel cheery singing it. Has it, has it not got a really nice, happy, happy, clappy way to it? Funnily enough, it has, actually. It's quite upbeat. <laughs> I don't know whether you watch Death in Paradise, but the way they do Death in Paradise... Do you watch it? No. Is there's always a murder at the beginning. Oh, it's great. You should watch it. There's always a murder at the beginning, and then it goes into this crazy calypso happy music. <laughs> so we always sing, Somebody has died, tra-la-la, because it, it's, <laughs> it's so incongruous. Like, you've just witnessed a murder, and then this crazy happy music comes on. So it's it's a bit like that, only the other way round. You were, you're quite happy, and now it's like, oh, but let's put some really devastatingly terrible words. <laughs> well, it it was just, you know, I, I suppose it's quite refreshing in a way that, that uh, you have a worship song that uh, reflects on the essential futility and brevity of existence. Yes, um, it's, it's quite it's unusual quite in a worship song. <laughs> it's just I felt that perhaps you could have a little bit more balance. That, you know, <laughs> who am I that Jesus should care anything about me? Well... I am a created being, <laughs> loved into existence by said Jesus. And, and so I feel, you know, for all the inevitable oblivion of my life, there is that going for me. Anyway, so that was that. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, other than that, I'm good. Uh, 
been sort of thinking on the theme, which I guess yeah. we will talk about a bit more. Uh, you know, in terms of my my year of wisdomness and yeah. trying to trying to react wisely, and in fact, spectacularly failing in that at some <laughs> points. But that's another issue. Um, We're definitely going to talk about, about that. Yeah. Oh, and I tell you what, I do want to talk about, which we don't have to do yeah. now, but at some point, I'm trying to leave Twitter, um, and it's quite. It's quite tricky. I don't know what to do about it, you know. And it, I don't know if you've kept up to date with what's happening on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. But it, not really. But it, it, it's yeah. I'm trying to work out what to do in terms of professional and for the podcast and all this kind of stuff. How much should we be present on on these platforms, or, or what can we do? Well, about we're not it? Anyway, really, so, are we? I mean, we do Facebook. That's it. Well, you you do the Facebook, and your Facebook is. You know what? What you know? An infinite number of pictures of sunsets, basically. What's your point? They are beautiful. Well, they are. They're, no, no point at all. Um, I don't do Facebook. I do, I recently though, what I did was uh, was I deleted my entire Twitter history. Oh. So, I I I I haven't really posted on Twitter for a long time, and I don't go on it very much. And to be honest, recently I've only been going on it to see the decline and fall of Twitter, which is quite entertaining. <laughs> but I thought, I'm going to just wipe out everything. So I deleted... You can delete every tweet you've ever made, kind of thing. Okay. So I did. But now I'm in the odd situation of having a Twitter account with, you know, a thousand-odd followers and Ooh. apparently having never had never ever tweeted because there's no <laughs> tweets there at all. <laughs> So now I don't know what to do. Should I go the whole hog and delete it? Should I put... I think what I might do is put up an explanatory sort of message about it. Then you'd have to delete that because you, you'd have a tweet in your history then. That's true. <laughs> but sometimes people say nice things or people ask you questions or whatever on Twitter and you kind of... I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether to just delete it. I, I, I'm a bit caught about it. And I've started this. So the alternative to Twitter that everyone's using is called Mastodon. Well, not everyone, but some people are using, which is quite complicated. So I've got a Mastodon um, account. You're so down with the kids. Are you on TikTok as well? No, no, I'm not on TikTok. Mm. I hate TikTok. Do you? Why do you hate it? Well, because I don't like any of this stuff. Like Instagram used to be quite good. And now they they sort of push videos at you. Of people doing stupid things every mm. every three Instagram posts. So Instagram's got intolerable. You okay. know. Um TikTok well. by its nature is intolerable, I think. And and Twitter has always been intolerable has been intolerable since about two thousand and twelve. So <laughs> okay. so but but part of me needs it because as a professional, you're supposed to have these platforms to sort of promote your stuff. But on the other hand, I've got this show. So what do I need? You're an well, author. Get community. over it. You've got to talk to your public. Come on. No, There's the wisdomness no. right there. <laughs> anyway, that was a long digression. But it's uh, it I'd be interested to hear what people have done about you know their social media recently. Yeah. Well, perhaps you could tweet if you think... Um, Nick should leave his <laughs> oh, Twitter no. account. <laughs> no, don't. Do yes, that. please do. If you're a listener with oh. a Twitter account, then tweet oh, you're Nick. You're a horrible man. You're a horrible Nick Avensham, I believe. Oh, oh, you are appalling human being, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, that's me. I, I was going to have a rant about lazy journalism, but I think I've had enough now, so let's move on. <laughs> are you bored now? 
<laughs> no, it's just I've done that. So, you know, we need yeah. to hear from you. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I mean, I'm just grateful to be healthy when I'm very busy. So that's a good thing. I need more time to think about my theme. I'm not happy with what I said last week. But, you know, it's like, as, mm. as always, you never really know what's going to happen when we switch microphones on. And actually, we were switching microphones on for the fourth time last time. This, yes. At least yeah. this is just the once. But I have got some important things to say to you. Firstly, Rachel came back to me. I knew she would. Oh, what a woman. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she had a silent retreat. And I think it was really great. It's her story to tell. But I mean, as we have noticed ourselves time and time again, when you actually make time for silence and for listening to the divine, here's here's a shock. The divine shows up. <laughs> mm. And uh, and that was really good to be reminded of and yeah uh watched a great movie uh on netflix actually at the bank of dave have you heard about this movie nope oh it's basically a film about the kingdom of god or in terms of the film it's a film about a man who wants to start his own bank right um and fights against the financial institutions and powers that be and it's based on a true story and i highly recommend it it's a lovely a lovely uplifting, heartwarming British film that we do so well and I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's on Netflix. So that's good. Great. And I went for a walk on Sunday to the Berg, which is a place near Arundel, and I saw a short-eared owl and no less than three barn owls. So that was a beautiful thing. And at one point there were two barn owls and a short-eared owl in sight at the same time and a red kite. So I was having a little moment there with a few other people what's this place called it sounded like it was called the bird the berg the berg, oh, like the berg. iceberg only spelled okay. b-u-r-g-h yeah right. fabulous. i just i thought it was a place that did what it said on the tin you know no no no, it's great but listen we, we can't we can't spend much longer on this because we got a listener coming for dinner tonight so that's good steve beloved listener steve is coming around for a meal as everyone is welcome to as you well know oh for heaven's sake you so have, you have no a sense of health and safety, do you? At all? <laughs> Not really. No, but our listeners, uh, time and time again, listen, when I meet someone and I go, cool, they could have been a psycho, then we'll stop doing this policy. But in the meantime, <laughs> everyone's welcome. Anytime you like, just come for dinner. It'd be lovely to see you. Could you, could you just look up the definition of safeguarding just once? <laughs> I've done all manner of safeguarding courses. <laughs> Well, clearly you weren't <laughs> paying attention to any of Anyway, I'm sure Steve is lovely and that's wonderful. Steve is lovely. Of course he is. When you say we've got someone coming to dinner, that's not me. Obviously, I'm not there. No, you're not there. I mean, the very long-suffering Rachel and I. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's get on with some feedback. So firstly, yeah. from, um, from Gary, he says, Hi, guys. First of all, I want to say I'm sorry to hear about your recent emasculation by the Dyson, Joe. That must really suck. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know, I feel... <laughs> People are laughing at me, Nick, and it hurts a little bit. That's all. Anyway, he says, second, I really like how you guys approach each uh, year now in terms of a theme. I don't know if it's allowed, but I seem to have two themes for this next year. It is allowed to have two themes. It totally is. Mm. He says, one is embodiment. As an Enneagram 5, I can be in my head a lot of the time. Like Nick said, I tend to accumulate knowledge and information, but I'm just beginning to realise that our bodies have their own wisdomness that we can learn to listen to and cultivate. 
The other theme is community. In the mid-faith crisis, community is something we often lose and struggle to rebuild. I'm starting to see how much I've valued knowing stuff over being known. Being known is vulnerable and means being willing to ask for help instead of always trying to be the one with the answers. Are these two themes related? I feel like they are. Time will tell, they say. Maybe they will prove to be both part of one paradigm shift from the head and brain down into the heart and deeper connection. Keep up the good work, Gary. I like that. I think those two themes are connected, actually. Embodiment and community. Uh, I suspect they are in that sense. Mm. Great stuff, Gary. Mm. No, I like that. I think... I think there's a few things that have come on to the community one. The embodiment one, I think, is is so important. That, really good. And, and really has been lost in so much uh, sort of Christian theology over the years, which turns spirituality into a, a kind of cerebral thing. Yeah. Um, and this is why I think simple practices like like kneeling or, or going to a particular place. Yeah. Um, engaging all your senses. I remember years and years and years ago, Going to a, it was actually a, a drama course, but but it was a Christian one, and they and they had a sort of um, chaplain, as it were, attached to it, doing the doing the reflections. And he was from a high church, right. and I hadn't ever encountered that at that time. You know, that was just so far outside my experience. And he explained incense, and suddenly it made total sense about you know engaging all your senses at once. Yeah. You know, the, the, not leaving any sense out when you're worshiping God. So I do think embodiment's really, really important. That's good, yeah. And and community, can I say, I loved what you said about the vulnerability of community. Yeah. And I think that that's what's... I don't think in the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast we are against community at all. In fact, we've tried to... No, completely to champion the opposite. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it has to be the right kind of community. I think that's what we question. So often mm. the communities we're in are not, not helpful, not empowering yeah. in any way. Um but I think there is nothing better than being in a community where you really open up to each other and and support one another. I think that's really vital. Indeed. Indeed. And I think you're very fortunate if you are in such a community, because I think most people perhaps aren't, at, 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 you know, in mid-faith crisis. So, yeah. Well, I was thinking about that, Joe, because I was in a meeting uh, a while back and I suddenly realised how disempowering it was being in a, a classic church meeting. Because it was like worship and then a 40-minute talk yeah, and then, you know, a bit of prayer and then worship again. And you feel like I'm in a spectator sport here. This is not worship. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. You're right. And so the worshipping community has to engage people, I think, on a, on a level that actually makes them feel involved and part of it and giving to it. Mm. And I know maybe that's partly because obviously I have a problem with the words of virtually any worship song, <laughs> <laughs> apparently. Who are you, that you, you miserable worm, that you should, that God should even think about you? Yeah, I'm just a wave <laughs> in the ocean. I'm a withering flower. I'm a leaf falling from the tree. I'm a spot of mildew. You are. <laughs> But I, I think that's it. I think a, a community that involves you, that listens to you, and that empowers you in some way is 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 so important, really vital. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, do, do you know, if you're not a part of such a community, I think, you know, if you can try and take some sort of action to be a part of that community, even if it involves starting your own, 
Yeah, and if you're running those communities, I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, as an ex-leader, or well, you are still, <laughs> leader, aren't you? But, but very ex-leader. But, thank you for that. <laughs> no, no, but I don't, sorry about that. It wasn't a deliberate. I, you know, normally, when I insult you, it's deliberate. That was. <laughs> become second nature to me. Um, <laughs> Bless you. But why is it why is it that we've allowed sort of church services and church communities to get into this I don't know disempowering mode? Part of it is just because it's so much easier to run something just from the front than actually get out and talk to people and listen to them and discuss. Well, we will be here for the rest of the night, I suspect, to answer that question. Because I think it's there's not one answer. It's a very complex matrix, like most involved issues. You know, it's to do with authority. It's to do with with the way authority works and, and our need for authority. You know, sometimes we just love people to be in charge. And if they tell us this is how it should be, then we accept how it should be. And it's, you know, we don't learn to question authority until we've got grown a little bit in confidence and perhaps journeyed a bit more and all this so I think there's there's all sorts of complicated reasons why we've ended up in the place we are but what it takes is for brave souls to start questioning the status quo and it does require Mm. a bit of courage doesn't it and it didn't start out that way that's the funny thing I mean we've we've basically imposed that kind of thing on the past so one of my bugbears is is as you know the renaming of passages of scripture Oh, yeah. In order to give them a slightly different flavour. Well, the Great Commission. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not go back to that. Um, <laughs> that was entertaining. But one of the one of the things is the Sermon on the Mount, which was a title invented, yes. completely invented. I, I I can't remember by whom. I think it was some. Um, was it Cyril of? Oh, I can't remember. Cyril of Milton Keynes. Who? Yeah. Probably. Anyway. <laughs> but. but you know, it's it suddenly redefines this thing as a talk that Jesus gave. Yeah. It wasn't a Sermon on the Mount. It was a chat up a hill, the best, <laughs> you know. They didn't teach in that way. There no. would have been so much more to and fro. It's just that you... But, but by calling it that, we've suddenly reimposed the disempowering model on it. Of course, because we've, uh, we've, we've now sort of gospelized sermons. Yeah. 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 So I'm not sure that Jesus ever gave a sermon in his life. I mean, even the one that is recorded in 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 Luke four, where he goes to his hometown and opens up the scriptures, they start arguing back. And yeah, adding. exactly. So, so <laughs> if it was a sermon, it was very short with a lot of feedback. You know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I, I just think that I've been thinking about that. No, that's brilliant. You know. That's brilliant. And listen, thanks, Gary, for you know taking us down that path. Yeah, thank you. That's great. It's going to be one of those podcasts, isn't it? I'm afraid it is. Sorry, listeners. Here we go. Rosie. Rosie says, hi, Joe and Nick. You've spoken a bit recently about being thankful. And I'd like to ask, who are you thankful to and what are you thankful for? At one time, I used to pray using the acronym ACTS. But I no longer find that works with my changing understanding of God. I no longer believe that God is in charge or in control as I once did. If we say we are thankful for our health, our family, the fact that we live in a free country, ha ha, are we implying that God has provided those things for us? If so, what about all the people who do not enjoy good health, have no family and don't live in a free country? Has God decided not to provide this for them? 
I don't believe so. I believe God is love and I can be thankful every time I see love in action because that comes from God. I can also be thankful for the beauty of creation, but I'm not sure I can go much further. So that is my thinking at the moment and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this maybe in a future episode. And that's from Rosie. Oh my goodness, that's a really good question, isn't it? What are you thankful for? But perhaps it's not what are you thankful for, it's why are you thankful? Yeah, I think that's the thing behind it is what's the, what's the basis for thankfulness i i mean do you know uh, rosie i'm just going to say this i i think my experience you know as a funeral celebrant now um and working with death all the time and not just old people dying which i you know if i do say so myself i think i do i, I find it you know reasonably easy to do a good service for someone who's lived a long and happy life but for young people who die for people younger than me who die for people my age who die which mm. I sometimes struggle with you know for it's you I I think one of the things it's made me realize is life is a little bit random mm. and that none of us are entitled to live for 80 or 90 years or 70 years you, you know it, it could be this is my last day on earth but what I I am thankful every morning that I'm alive. And that is more or less my first thought of the day, really. Oh, it looks like I'm here again <laughs> when I wake up. And I'm I'm thankful for that because I just don't take it for granted. And I know that some people haven't woken up. And I know that some people have died in the night. And it, but, but, you know, I appear to be alive today. And, and, and so my... My day does start with gratitude for that simple fact. My heart is beating. I'm able to breathe. And therefore, there must, there must be something good for me to do today. So are you basically saying you're a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow? <laughs> a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapour in the wind? Do you know what? Whilst I accept all the things you said about that, I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm warming to it. I'll be honest. I do kind of like it because there is truth in that. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, that old acts thing, was it adoration, confession, yeah. thanksgiving, suffocation, supplication, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't think any of those models really are very helpful because they're just trying to impose feelings on you you might not actually have. So go with what your feeling is. If, if we learn anything from the wisdom literature of the Old Testament from the Psalms, it's that your feelings can be expressed honestly yeah. and can be a form of prayer. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and even when you're not thankful, you know, you can still have that really fruitful sort of conversation, as it were. Um, yeah. What what am I thankful for? Yeah, I, I think the same for you. I think thankfulness for me is is at a sort of very high level i'm i'm thankful that i'm i'm still functioning and i'm thank i'm thankful for lots of things i'm thankful yeah. for this podcast i'm thankful for my family i'm thankful for for the community i'm in i'm thankful that you know i can get by you know all this kind of stuff I think are you it's, thankful it's, for me nick does that mean i've always been thankful for you from the moment <laughs> i met you i've been my eyes both... adored you <laughs> I can't remember who sang that. Which saint sang that? Or can I? I can't remember which saint sang that. You're going to have to look it up now. It's probably someone like Johnny Mathis or something. It was some crooner, wasn't it? 
but I think I think this is very typical of the knots we tie ourselves up in when you start to question because you do start to think how can I be thankful for this when there are other people in the world who have been have such a bad deal is God just somehow favoring me over them and then that creates dissonance because you know that God loves everyone so why hasn't God done it for them I agree with this but it's somehow part of the second naivety part of the journeying through this is is coming back yeah. to gratitude and I, I i feel grateful that i've got you know hot water a home i can heat we're mm. not heating at the moment because you know rachel who is much wiser than i decides that we should keep the heating off because it's expensive <laughs> but you know it's a good no we have the we have the wood burner on in the evenings that's how it works so it's warm okay. for an hour in the morning and then that's it no but i'm grateful for that and i'm grateful like i said to you at the start i'm grateful i'm healthy and i you know i don't have flu or a cold or anything yeah. and it, you know but i realize i accept that a lot of people have woken up with a stinking cold and flu and you know and work for them is going to be a misery today if indeed they go into work if they they're able to work so yeah i think maybe part of this is just stopping taking things for granted yes i i i think that's it and i think i think be thankful rosie for what you can be thankful for i don't think yeah you should pretend anything otherwise really no. and i think you will find there's lots of things that you can genuinely be thankful for and i agree totally with you we really don't want to get into the point where the sort of abstract questions no that's unfair but the, the real questions important questions but we don't want to get into the point where they they stop you doing other good things yeah no true for sure where where you get so many questions that you can't actually be thankful because i think thankfulness is very um, important in our life really. yeah and the other thing i'd like to say it was apparently saint frankie valley was it St. Fran- was it St. Frankie Valley? My eyes and adored four, you. And the four seasons. <laughs> bless them. And bless the seasons. Right. Mim says, hi. She says, I'm just sending a ranty email. I hope you don't Ooh. mind. Of course we don't mind. Come on, Mim. You know <laughs> We us. exist on them. <laughs> it says, I've just spent the morning at a leaders away day morning for our local church. Oh, dear. Mm. Uh, It says the first talk was about the decline of churches in the UK and how we can try and address that locally. There were graphs and the statistical evidence was presented that the churches which are declining are the ones who are either pro same sex or willing to discuss same sex. The only churches which aren't declining are the ones or are not willing to shift from the traditional position. Therefore, one of the ways we don't decline is to stick to rigid moral authority and fight against the rise of self. It was better when society defined who you were because we're all in God. I missed the thought link in that one, she says. (laughs) It's so frustrating for me individually, but also knowing there were parents in the room whose child has just come out. Where do they now feel they're going to fit at church? Maybe church needs to decline as it is because it's become such a poor representation of what it could and should be. I'm sure you can feel my frustration. I just wanted to scream at them, but I didn't. Anyway, you guys are an outlet for that frustration sorry rant over have a wonderful week i hope all your various things in life are making progress particularly nick's move blessings mim thank you mim yeah well i could join in this rant i mean do you want me to (laughs) do you do you want me not to i i'll leave the editorial control to you here nick well why don't we come on to that let's talk about decline first Okay, <laughs> because the church has been declining since 1904. 
All right, that was the high point of church going in the UK, according to sociologists and historians. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, I think connecting church decline to any one thing, one issue. Yeah. Is a, a mistake. I'm not sure it's, you know, it's it's the correct use of data. Okay. Because I think 20 years ago, you know, there, you'd have the same argument said about oh, the churches that aren't. Uh, declining are the ones who are against uh, women in leadership. Yeah. You know, so you could have argued that um, or or even, I, I don't know, oh. whatever other, name your issue. I feel, mo- I feel the rant whatever. coming on even more here. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity because I think... I, I, shouldn't. I shouldn't, oh, I shouldn't. Oh, to, to me, the difficulty is here is exactly what she said. You know, where do people fit in now? And how do we stay together? How do we have a place for people who are who are different views, whatever those different views are? Um, yeah. That's the difficulty. I think the minute you go down this route and say, well, actually, if you want to halt church decline, you have to believe X. I, I think that's a big mistake. Uh, because by very nature, you've just lost a load of people who don't believe X. Yeah. So you're not going to halt it that way. Anyway, that's what I think. Yeah. And now well, we hand over to our rent correspondent. No, no, I, d- I don't want to rant, but, you know, Justin Welby brought out his statement last week and bless him, you know, God bless Justin Welby. I mean, I pray for him because he's in a horrible position, isn't he? But also, I shouldn't pick on Justin Welby because the Baptists are going through this in just the same way, tearing themselves apart over this issue. And for many people who are same sex, you know, All they can hear is, all right, Justin Welby won't bless us. Therefore, he thinks God hates us. We're an abomination. They see that because if if that wasn't the case, if it wasn't a theological issue, then clearly he could bless. So, you know, I I don't want to criticise Justin. I mean, what an awful job and what a difficult job it is holding together a union, because that's what the Baptists do. They're trying to hold together a union of people. And the the truth about people is this. They're racist. They're misogynist. They're homophobic. They're all kinds of people. And and these people are trying to hold them all together. You know, sometimes I question whether we should try and hold that together. But but for me, it, it can only take us back to a gospel issue. Yeah, it can only take us back to, well, what actually is the, you know, the church is the representation of Jesus Christ on earth. What did Jesus Christ stand for? Now, if he stood for traditional values and moral values of one woman and one man and everything, and you believe that with all your heart, that he really addressed that issue. And that's what's really important. Then I guess you you need to stand up for that. I mean, for me, that. You know, it's just not how I see Jesus. I, you know, I see the gospel of Jesus as so radical, so inclusive. I feel like Jesus was encouraging people to stand up for truth and justice and love of neighbour and love of yourself. You know, if I was to boil it down, that's where it would, that's where we'd end up. You know, stand up for truth and justice, love your neighbour and love yourself. What's your role? You know. Uh, you know, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. I think that's kind of what we're here to do. I feel like the church has this amazing opportunity in this divided, broken world 
I feel like we have the opportunity to demonstrate what it would be like to be this loving, inclusive community, rich with diversity, people with opinions, but actually we all live by this higher value that everyone is created in the image of God and therefore everyone matters. Everyone's welcome. And 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 not only do we have these kind of, you know, loving services or whatever they are, but we, we're a people of justice who stand up for justice and truth, which is what community love looks like. It looks like justice, social justice. And so I feel like the church has this wonderful opportunity, but... Here, here's the fact, whatever you think of that, the world looks on on us and it thinks the church stands for old times. It's this beautiful, archaic institution. I mean, I'm putting a good spin on it here, you know, that is not moving with the time. And that, I mean, literally, this is the truth. And this is why I feel ranty, to be honest, because there's a church not 500 yards from me that is having a discussion about whether women can lead men. That, I mean, this is 2023 and they're actually having a discussion about whether whether God would allow women to. Lead. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if God allowed women to lead men? You know, they 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 they'd start wanting to become business leaders and politicians and doctors and things. And then they wouldn't be ready with a you know bow in their hair and our slippers ready and a meal on the table when we came home from work. And, and you know, by golly, I think they'd want the vote. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine how the skies would fall in if we allowed women to lead a man? Anyway, so that's how I feel a little bit mm. about church at the moment. I wonder if we're missing the point a little bit and I wonder if we just need to rediscover a little bit of the Jesus stuff here. Well, I'm glad you're not ranty about it. <laughs> That's mate, the key thing you can, Honestly, you can edit that all out. I, don't, I just cannot keep it in at the moment. But I'll be all right. <laughs> OK, I'd like, to, I'd like to stand up a little bit for the Anglican Communion here. OK, go on. Look, I, I appreciate that there are very, very strong and powerful feelings on both sides, and particularly on the side of people in, in same-sex relationships who have had a pretty terrible deal for so long. And I really understand that. I think, though, for Archbishop Justin... Bless him. He is in government, as it were. He's not on the back benches. No, yeah. So what you're expressing oh, is yeah. a back bench view, for, right? For so, sure. So he's in government. So what he's, I think what's really significant, really important here, and I, I realise that it's not going to go far enough for some people or whatever. No. But he he said he celebrated the change. And do you know how important that is? You know yeah, what, that, yeah. that is a really important sure. thing because it's actually, um, it's, it's actually moving him quite a way away from quite a lot of mm. uh, people in, in his communion. And also... Uh, the Archbishop of York said he's going to do it. Fine, he says great, and he said I realise it's not gone far enough for some of my 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 gay friends, and he's gone got quite emotional about it. But he's going to do it. So I actually think it's much more of a seismic shift than people realise, and and I think that actually we need to have a, a lot of patience and grace and forgiveness on all sides of of the debate. And I do, yeah. I, you know, I I understand. Well, I don't really understand, but I. I can see the pain over the years of people. I can, I really get that. I, I do get that. 
But the fact is, he's a global leader. He's not a local mm. leader. And so I think they went absolutely as, as, as far as they could at this time. I suppose that I suppose that's true. I'm speaking as a pastor on the ground, dealing with yes, yes. with people who are struggling with that issue, and they've been told at at, at best the church is not for you. At worst, yeah. God is absolutely furious. No, and I appreciate and, that. You know, and yeah. and and I do the funerals yes. for the people who committed suicide because of this. So. You know, I'm trying to be dispassionate and take the emotion out of it. But actually, I wouldn't be human if I don't feel passionate and about it because I sus- I don't know the last time Justin Welby did a funeral for a gay person who committed suicide because they yeah, were told okay. that, that they are absolutely hated by God. But I have done that. And so I feel like my voice still needs to be heard, I suppose, um, in the in the general arguments. And, 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 and I think what he's done is brave. And I, I think you're right. And I want to be fair to him because I have to say, I really like Justin Welby. I think he's brilliant. You know, he's 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 mm. he's he's not put much of a foot wrong in, in my book. You know, I, I think he's he's great. But I don't know whether he sees how gay people or the LGBTQ community actually receive what he said i suspect he doesn't i suspect he'd be too involved with all the all the sort of turmoil it's caused in the church community to even realize how it's been received by that particular community i mean i would disagree with you i think he knows exactly how it's been received and i think he doesn't have many other cards to play at this point in time and and i i don't think he's um I don't think he's he's obviously not an unintelligent man. He's and he's obviously not unused to this issue. This is the big mm. issue of the Anglican yeah. Church. So th- the problem is, it, there is no quick fix in that sense f- for yeah. this in terms of a global view. But it, you know, you could say as a as a communion in the UK, there might be a quick fix. But but global, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so actually, it's a journey that has to be gone on and i know this is awful because actually the his history is always about this yeah you know history is always like this the oppressed have to have to be patient yeah well it's like slavery i suppose it's a it's a similar thing yeah and you feel that's awful but actually it's the only way i i just yeah it it never happens any differently where you know and so uh, i actually think that Oh, okay. Let's land this a little bit. I think the the question is, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to react? Yeah, sure. How can I be in this? What can I? I can't have any effect on Justin Welby or or the mm. the global Anglican Communion, but I could have an effect on my local church, mm. and I could be more welcoming there, and I could stand up for what I believe or whatever that is. You know, uh, it, it, various places. Oh, you know. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that's a great question, and also I think that. You know, the world is not healed by dividing further. I mean, you know, I don't think it's it's healed by people being horrible to Justin Welby or anyone else in the Anglican communion, even that it, it love is the only way that heals. And that's why 
That's why I think it's so important to come back to what you actually believe about the gospel of Jesus. And we can argue for hours about Jesus and who he was and to what extent was he with the son of God and what to what extent, you know, and what does that mean in terms of the Trinity? And we can have all those theological discussions, but you've got to decide. But what did you know, if you want to call yourself a Christian, which I sort of still do, I think that what Jesus was all about is standing up for truth and justice and love of neighbour and love of myself and and love of enemy. Mm. You know, whoever the enemy happens to be in this position, you can't airbrush that bit out. So I want to love, you know, the Baptists, you know, that's my tribe who are tearing themselves apart over this and all sorts of games are going on I, I mean I'm, I'm watching it unfold before my eyes all sorts of power plays all kinds of manipulation is taking back I mean I'm really seeing the ugly side of 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 the politics of religion at the moment go being played out before my eyes but what I don't want to do is think the way around this is to to be horrible to people mm. who I don't agree with because I don't think that's how it would, you know, Jesus allowed the people who were horrible to crucify him. And he said, Father, forgive them. Mm. So so there's definitely a way for us to be in this turmoil at the moment. And, I, and I'm just trying to sort of um, figure it out as it is a, a long time ago when we when we read Mim's email <laughs> that she wanted to scream at them. I want to scream at times too, Mim. And I, oh, I think I just have. But <laughs> but I know that it's going to be love that heals this, not anything else. So so I think the big challenge for for us, and and I think for all our listeners, because we have to accept our listeners will have different views on this as well. You know, exactly. we're not, I'm yeah. not saying that yeah, everybody's yeah. you know, and um, you know, we might have different views. I think the challenge for us is, so how do you love the church five hundred yards down the road that is being such so stupid? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know how you do well, that, but but uh, I'm sure you'll find a way. Yeah. How how well, do we love people that? who disagree with us? Yeah, can yes, you can. Yeah. I can, I can love the church down the road that's being so stupid the same way I can love myself who is being so stupid on a regular basis. Now, if I can cut myself the slack, and and have the self awareness to know that I am far from the perfect disciple, that I actually, you know, make such a mess of things so often, I can allow other people to in areas that are different to me. So I might have an open, inclusive view, but in other ways be hugely selfish. And, you know, no one's pointing that out, perhaps, because maybe I've been managed to hide it enough so that no one else sees. But, you know, I know what I am truly like in my human nature. And if I can learn to accept myself as I believe God accepts me in this broken, fallen state, then I can now offer that out and I can equally affirm that the church not 500 yards to me does amazing work as well does extraordinary community action works trying to make the world a better place and succeeding in small doses in all kinds of ways so you know to paint them as villains would be totally untrue very unkind and 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 not the truth at all and i want to stand up for truth so so what i can do is equally affirm all that is good and i feel the same about justin welby i think he's an extraordinarily good archbishop actually and i think he's doing doing his job at a time that is immensely difficult with you know these real challenges of holding together with all the conflicted interests that are involved there and i can do that 
but I equally have to stay true to myself and what I believe as well. I, yeah, I think it comes back in a way to the very first question about thankfulness. And I think it's it's very hard, but we should always be thankful for any movement mm. towards um, justice and towards compassion and towards understanding and love. Yeah. Um, whichever direction that takes, I I think we should we should celebrate that. Mm. And we should continue to pray for these people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've just, sorry, we've, we've gone off and who knew this was going to turn out this way? Eh? We just never know when we turn the mics on, do we? But but thank you for listening, if you have, still. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for listening. We really should end. Um, we should. If you would like to uh, get in touch with the show, you can point your email machine at... We can, and we would love you to, to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. What do you think about all this? And, you know, sorry for my outburst, listeners. <laughs> Yes, we're always sorry for Joe, and uh, <laughs> but also thankful, immensely thankful. <laughs> we have both those things simultaneously. <laughs> How does that work? Anyway, thank you very much for listening to us. Thank you for being there, and uh, we will be back with you uh, next week. We certainly will. <laughs>